22. And the devil was trying to steal my glasses. Uh, took back. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> Can you take it? And we're not going to be really referring to, you know, like when, you, when the trials come, can you take it? Or, you know, when somebody's picking on you, can you take it? Uh, but can you take what belongs to you? That's what it's all about. Can you take it? Go back and take back. God got it. He got you. Because you belong to him. 1 Kings 22, verse 3. Do you not know? The king of Israel has said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth in Gilead belongs to us? And yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram. Father, I pray that we learn to take back your precious promises, your inheritance that you've granted each and every one of us. I ask this in Jesus' name, Lord God, that we would enter into the realm of faith I know that there's a faith teaching going around naming and claiming, Lord God, and, and yet there's health to it, and yet also it can be detrimental. But Lord, by and large, we're talking about genuine biblical faith in obtaining and taking what is rightfully ours. Lord, it's been 18 years that we've been renting. Now it's time to take, Lord God, the things. And may this be the beginning of many, many other things that belong to you and your inheritance. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody together said, Amen. Amen. Greet one another one more time with love of the Lord and tell them, tell them can you take it? Can you take it? Hallelujah. Now, in the portion of scripture that we read here, okay, it's referring to the king of Israel, all right, and the king, you know, of Aram. But the king of Israel is none other than a man by the name of Ahab. Ahab was a man who was married to Jezebel. Uh, and I think Pastor Mike Coleman described Jezebel real good yesterday. Uh, all kinds of, uh, what, what did he call it, bondo? Uh, but Christian women have, what? Shando bando, hallelujah. There's a shando bando. I just got a little bit of shando bando here to make, make me blush, hallelujah. Uh, the Holy Ghost makes me blush. Uh, but he was married to the infamous Jezebel. Now, as you study God's word, you'll know that Ahab was no mighty man. He was no mighty man of valor, not at all. Uh, nor was he a very great observer. The guy made a lot of, he, he needed to go to the men's home and learn what Anthony did. What no means no and yes means yes. Okay, Ahab needed to go through the men's home, hallelujah. And Jezebel, the women's home. Uh, what a miracle that would have been. Uh, aye, aye, aye. <laughs> uh, but even this individual, Ahab, Jezebel's husband, even he was able to see the obvious. And the obvious here was that Ramath in Gilead belonged to God and God's people. Yet he was able to see, okay, a stone heathen. He himself was able to see, okay, that God's people were not taking right, what was rightfully theirs. Okay, and remember, Ahab was a man of flabby fiber. Okay, when it came to having guts and, and grit and all that stuff. But this man was able to see, hey, God's people are not getting, they're not taking, they're not claiming what is really theirs. It was obvious to him. 
Still, my friend, this inability to claim and to take and, and to possess what is rightfully theirs and ours, that's been the failure of a number of, of, you know, of people, of men, even good men, not just Ahab's throughout the ages. Did you hear what I said? Stay with me. In this sermon, you got to stay with me. All right. In other words, there's been a lot of individuals that have not been able to claim what is rightfully theirs throughout the ages. I've told you before that about my son, the first day of school, remember that? When I sent him to Fremont Christian and I went to go pick him up and I went a little early. I had to get ahead of, you know, because I knew I was going to be going late the rest of his 13 years in school. Uh, and I remember I got there, no, that's right, I got there a little late. And he was playing tetherball, remember I, I said that? And, and my, you know, there's my poor little mijo, he's playing tetherball. And we come from a family of athletes, just in case you don't know it. Uh, and my son playing tetherball was like this. get the picture and I felt oh mijo mijo no my your your uncle was all American mijo come on your dad could have been somebody you know mijo you know and then I, I remember I, I he got in the car and I goes mijo you weren't playing tetherball you were standing in line mijo you, you weren't and then he's, I'm already told me, uh, to this day, and this is a testament really in hindsight now to his character. He said, Dad, it doesn't matter, Dad. I just wanted to play. Wanted to get, I knew I couldn't hit the ball. I was the smartest, shortest guy there. This is where tall, you know, fourth and fifth graders from the elementary school. He said, but I don't care, Dad. I wanted to try. I wanted to try, Dad. So don't get in my face. <laughs> he didn't quite say it like that, but that's really what he meant. You know, because now I know how my son operates, you know. Uh, my God. Uh, but all he did was see the, you know, the ball twist around the, the, the pole. But at least he tried. And really, that said something about his character and was actually a help to him for the later years. Now, while losing can be a bit torturous, losing can be quite a bit belittling. Ask my son. It's torturous, even to the father. It can be a little belittling and torturous. Okay? And even when you're losing to a bigger guy, but what can and could be even more torturous, even more belittling, is not even to have the guts to at least try. At least get in the game. Uh, see, there, there's a worse hell than failing. And that's failing to try at all. Uh, because, see, you still have to live with yourself. My son would have had to live with himself. Yes, he had to walk through school and see those big fourth graders and they'd look at him like, you know. But it, 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 it didn't matter to him. What would have been worse is if he would have been walking and seeing those fourth graders and not even tried. At least not even, they wouldn't even notice who, who he was because he didn't even try. He would have had to try to sleep at night even within a little kindergartner saying, man, I didn't, even, I didn't even go for it. I didn't even try. But praise God, I'm telling that speaks for his character a lot later because the kid has character today. And it could have been because... 
Because there's a worse failure than failure itself that's failing to try at all. And that's what the scripture is trying to tell us here. Uh, even Ahab, a heathen, could spot it. How much more should us? Uh, now, what are some of the things that, that you and I, we, have the opportunity to obtain? Because that's what Ahab was saying. He says, hey, Ramath Gilead, Ramath and Gilead is ours. All we got to do is go take it. What are the, some of the things that you and I are able to obtain? Simply for the taking. Uh, how about good health? That's ours. If we want it. Hallelujah. I take five. Hallelujah. How about a good education? I mean, we're living in, in the United States of America. I mean, I, when I travel, and I, I have an opportunity to travel throughout the world representing you and God and the ministry. And many times, I've run into so many people that say, I went to school in such and such a college or university in America. All kinds. See, they took the opportunity to obtain a good education, and they had to sacrifice. They had to go get a visa. They had to go get all this transfer stuff, all, all these things, in order to come to America to obtain a good education. We live here. We live here. Ah. But man... More than even a, a decent education, uh, see, and, and, you know, and yet better than good health and, and a good education. Those things dim in comparison to the spiritual matters that we can obtain. We can have good health, we can have a good education, but more than that, we can have a good spiritual life. They're there for the taking for us. See, there are spiritual matters that we have the opportunity to obtain. Ramath Gileads in the spirit, if you will that far outweigh the physical and the secular opportunities. Are you with me? See, we have an opportunity to obtain, what is, which is very valuable, very important, is a Christ-like character, to be like Jesus. Oh, says we have the mind of Christ. Uh, you can be like Jesus. That's an opportunity that you and I have, but many of us don't take that opportunity. Uh, we sit there, and even the world, the heathen, like Ahab, can spot it. Because don't they ever get on your case? You still going to church? Yeah, then how come? Isn't today Sunday? Isn't your service at 10? Yeah. See, we have the opportunity to take, you know, a Christ-like character home with us. To become like Jesus. What a wonderful opportunity. I mean, what would it mean to be like Jesus? What does it mean to be like Christ? Well... For one, here's what it means to be like Jesus. Jesus had a tremendous faith in God, in his Father. See, Jesus trusted and he believed in God. That's what it means to have a Christ-like character, to believe in Almighty God. Do you believe in God? The Bible says the devils believe and tremble too. Huh? But, but Christ had that, 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 that faith that nobody could steal from him. Someone has rightfully you know, said that a man is known by two things. By who his friends are and who his enemies are. Somebody has rightfully said that. Uh, and with Jesus, while he, while he was hanging on the cross, the Bible says the worst thing that his enemies could say about him was in Matthew 27, 43, he trusted God. That's the worst that they could say, his enemies. He trusted God. See, a man is known by his enemies, he's known by his friends. And the worst that the enemies of Jesus could say was he trusted Almighty God. And this, you know, with this, 
You know, Jesus truly did trust God. He trusted his father irregardless to the bitter end. Even when he was taking that bitter gall that they gave to him. He trusted God to the bitter end. Now, what else does it mean to be Christ-like? Number one, to trust God, to believe in God. Well, not only did Jesus believe in God fiercely, as we must in order to be Christ-like, he also believed in people. You and I. Uh, in us. In mud balls. Mudball you and mudball me. Jesus believed in mud balls. Uh, uh, see, he believed in God and he believed in man, in humanity. He was called the Son of Man 90 sometimes. The Son of Man. See, he identified with us. Now, we know when we read the accounts in the Gospels of Christ's life that he suffered fiercely and terribly at the hands of man. Did he not? We crucified him. Men, humanity crucified him. Humanity, you know, sent him to the cross. Peter, one of his inner circle, the Bible says, denied him three times in one day. Judas, uh, one of the 12 disciples, outrightly betrayed him. Uh, at his crucifixion, all the disciples left him. Uh, yet, Jesus never lost faith in them, in humanity, nor in us. Though we are not faithful, he remains faithful. The Bible says, ah, man. See, at his very ascension, when he, when he ascended, Christ flatly calls the entire hope for the church, his church, and he puts the, all that hope of the church on the shoulders of blundering, doubting disciples. People. He believed in people. To the point and to the place where he says, okay, in faith and in confidence, hey, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. I mean, that should make us want to, you know, ooh. even if I lose a few battles, I can still call myself victory outreach. Huh? Because the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against me. He might have me down a little bit here, but I'm going to get up. Uh, and we can call ourselves victory outreach even when we're going through hard times. Uh, because he believed in us. Uh, man, that's... That's something else. See, Christ believed that every Simon, which means reed, could become a Peter, which means rock. Ooh, I like that. We come to Jesus a reed, and he calls us a rock. Jesus believed in humanity. He believed in us. God believes in you. You need to believe that. Uh, can you take it? Now, there's a story that I've told many years ago how when Jesus died... You know, went to hell, took the keys from hell, sin and death. Then he resurrected, came back, walked on among us for about 40 days. Then he ascended. That's the ascension. When he went back to his father in heaven and sits at the right hand of the father, they say that, you know, everybody was tripping out, all the angels. Uh, and Michael was leading the, the child. He says, hey, hey, Jesus, how was it? And he explained to him everything that ha happened. Because they're not omniscient, they don't know everything, so they had, Jesus had to tell them. Uh, you know what I do sometimes in funerals? When people get saved that belong to the loved ones, I pray, Jesus, could you go tell so-and-so who just got there about three days ago that their son got saved at their funeral? Because they're not omniscient, you know, but, but Jesus is. And so they came, and he's asking him, the, what, 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 and so he tells them the whole story of what went on while he was here on earth for 33 years. And the angels were tripping out. And then, Michael asked him, well, 
what's the plan now? You've come, you've left. And, well, I've, I've left my plan up to, in the hands of 12 men. Got another plan? He says, no, 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 no plan B. There's no plan B. It's got to be like that. Huh? Wow, that's faith in us. He believes in us. See, Christ believed so much in man that he even said, greater works than these that he had done shall you do because I go to my Father in heaven. He believes in victory outreach. Hey, what? So much that he's put a building on a lap. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go on. Uh, see, yes, there would be hindrances to his church, to his work. Uh, see, as I spoke regarding this last Sunday, remember last Sunday I spoke about pillars. Remember that? Pillars or, who remembers? Pillows. You're either a pillow in the church or a pillar. Uh, and you don't want to be a pillow. Uh, remember the title of the sermon last week was Hold Up or Hold Up. Uh, I, I recommend you get the tape. Hold up or hold up. In other words, you either hold Jesus up. No, no, no. Uh, you either hold up the work of God as part of the church or you hold up the work of God as a pillar. Uh, and, but Jesus knew there was going to be people that were going to hold up his work. That were going to be hindrances. There would be people who, who would hold up and hinder and stifle his work, his church. But he also knew that there would be pillars that would righteously work to hold up his church. Because Jesus believed in people. Some of you, he believes, are going to be pillars, not pillows. He believes in you. You're called to do that. Man, thank God for what Dean had to say over here. I've traveled to Sacramento. I've been with a player. He said, but now I'm ready to be a pillar in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. See you in four months. Hallelujah. So every one of us has the opportunity to obtain a Christ-like character. Do you want that? See, Ramoth and Gilead is ours. And we, my friend, you know, still have not taken it. That's what Ahab said here. Ramath and Gilead is ours, yet we have still not taken it. There's so many things that you and I have not obtained, have not taken. Uh, health, education, a Christ-like character is ours, yet we take it not. Then, just as we have the possibilities as individuals to obtain what God has for us, we also have possibilities and opportunities as a group, corporately, as a church, to obtain. Uh, what about the, the group possibilities within a marriage, within a family? That's a group. Uh, I mean, so many marriages today end in divorce. Over half the marriages end in divorce. Uh, but they all have the opportunity to remain together. But not everybody takes that opportunity. Many call it quits. Ah, just like that. They're not taking their rightful inheritance. It's till death do you part. Ah. Ever heard that one about the guy that was crying at his 40th year anniversary? How come you're crying? His wife asked him. Uh, and he says, well, when we got married 40 years ago, you know, I... Uh, didn't like you too much. No. Felt like taking your life. If I'd have done it, I'd be a free man today. Hallelujah. Uh, four years later, I would have only done 40 years. I'm just kidding. Uh, but so many people want the easy way out. Even in their inheritance in marriage. In their families. 
They're letting the enemy steal them blind. And by blind, I literally mean blind. See, so many husbands and so many wives and even so many children make some dumb, ignorant, very selfish decisions. Decisions that one would have to say, that man or that woman, these children, these people must be blind. How could they make a decision like that? It has to be the blind leading the blind. They can't see what they're doing to their families, what they're doing to their spouse, what they're doing to their husband, what they're doing to their wife, what they're doing to their parents. They make decisions that clearly show that they're not putting their family before themselves. It's the blind leading the blind. You ever see people like that? Make some dumb decisions. Uh, whenever either the husband or the wife or the children, the child, make blind, irrational, selfish decisions, then it turns out to be, as I said, and as Jesus said in his word, the blind leading the blind. Thus, my friend, whenever you have failure in marriage, failure within a family, it was not for lack of opportunity. You have an opportunity to make your family into a great family. Yes, you do. The opportunity is there at your disposal. Uh, it, it's there. It wasn't is, you know, you know the, 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 the people that are involved, they shrink back to their commitment on their opportunities and their responsibilities and on their vows. To have, how many want to have good families? The opportunity is there. You know what I was praying for these four men right now? I was praying for their families. They're not even married yet that I know of. Uh, but I was praying, God, you did it for me. And I've learned to fight for my family. They can have good families. Uh, but so can all of us. But we need to fight. Then also we have the possibility as a church. And oh, what an opportunity God has given us. Come August 8th. Uh, right now for this church. Those of you that attend this church, you have an opportunity to affect yourself, your family, your community, your state, your nation, and your world. Because you belong to a world, you know, impacting congregation. And it affects, my friend, and it influences, you know, all over the place. And because of the building, we're going to be able to have a broader influence, a broader effect throughout the world. In other words, we've only just begun. We're just getting going. Ah, get your motor running. Get out on the highway looking for adventure. Hallelujah. Or whatever comes our way. Hallelujah. We can take it. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, we have a great opportunity. Still, there are a good number of things that we've yet to attain and obtain. That we haven't taken yet. Ours for the taking. Those of you that have, you know, that have given your, your time, your talent, and your treasures, especially your pledges towards this new building, you're helping us in taking our Ramath in Gilead. That's a pillar move. Remember we talked about it last week? That's a pillar move. If you want to be a pillar, those of you that have pledged of your finances, that are, that are, are, are upholding us with your finances and your prayers and, and your support, you are a support not to be supported. Okay, you're taking advantage of that. But those of you that haven't so far, you're still a pillow. Uh, we got to turn you into a pillar. See, church, and please get this. Jesus, who believes in us, says that the church is to be a church without spot or without what? Wrinkle. See, we're not supposed to shrink back. Now, let me ask you ladies, what is wrinkle a sign of? Oh, I heard it already age is it not 
huh? wrinkles. Is a, and we're supposed to be a church without spot or without wrinkle. Thus, my friend, when a church is without spot or without wrinkle, what is that a sign of? Youth and beauty. See, I don't have no wrinkles. I'm just kidding. Ah, See, Jesus is believing for us to remain a youthful church. He said the church is supposed to be without wrinkle. We're supposed to remain youthful. Irregardless of how old we are, 18 years or, or 49 years or celebrating 80-year anniversary, it doesn't matter according to, to, to age. What matters is according to attitude. And our attitude is supposed to be a youthful attitude all the time. God's church is supposed to be without wrinkles. But I'm 80 years old. But in your heart, you're supposed to remain youthful. Ah, irregardless of a church's age. Uh, we're supposed to be vibrant and daring and adventurous. Ah, see, may Victory Outreach Hayward continually be that church. That church without wrinkle, youthful, daring, adventurous. They asked Henry Ford to go to church one time, and I've told you before. He says, I'll go to church, but take me to a church that's going to challenge me. I mean, that's what really got me when I came into a church like ours, Victory Outreach. I mean, I, I felt challenged. We were birthed from a ministry called Teen Challenge. I mean, talk about adventure. I think some people leave sometimes because they're this is too adventurous. I mean, when they sing, they sing. Turn around, turn around, jump up and down, praise the Lord. Even the pastor does it, and he's going to be 50, Mom. Sheesh. And I'm only 12. Turn around, jump up and down. And then he preaches, he jumps a lot. They don't even have a rug in the podium. That's for to wake you up. Hallelujah. Huh? Challenge. We need to be a church, my friend, where it's always day. Always. Always a day of opportunity without a roof. That's the kind of church we need to be. Youthful, without wrinkle. Uh, always challenge. Uh, you know what we need to ask ourselves? We need to ask ourselves this. What would the world miss if our church ceased to exist. And you know it, Mr. Lat. Beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, out of most parts of the world. Uh, my friend Gilbert would come next Sunday and, where are they? Sorry, bro. Uh, what would it miss? Now, why is it that we often miss out on gaining and taking these priceless opportunities, so to speak? Why are there so many Ramath and Gileads still laying out there in waste, just waiting for somebody to come along and take them? Why are there so many Ramath and Gileads yet out there? Well, one key reason is due to our lack of self-esteem. Uh, we don't think we deserve anything. We think, well, I'm just another monkey hanging another tree. Lack of self-esteem. Uh, we're too content to remain where we are and as we are. No, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. You know, the other day, I wasn't here for our 18th anniversary morning celebration. and We could do better than that. So my wife got with some of the leaders and sat them down and told them, we can do better than that. Because we can. And you have a mom and a dad that are going to spur you on. We have a scene here. Nothing but the best for the best. And he's the best and you're the best because he believes in you. And if 
What's good enough for him is good enough for me. If he believes in you, then I believe in you. We can go out there and take the world and get a college education and, and do all that God has called us to do. Yeah, we can. Success comes in cans. We can do all things through Christ. See, we handicapped ourselves, you know, by, you know, by having a super sense of inferiority. He's better than me. Well, get in line with Esteban. One of these days, bro, I'll be back. Hey, homie, remember me? Four years ago? Huh? Do you like them balloons? Uh, <laughs> uh, See, we have to have that mentality, not an inferiority complex. See, and by looking with contempt at ourselves, we sabotage our opportunities to get and to gain and to acquire the things that God has for us. Eye has not seen, uh, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love Him. And we need to understand that. Then we miss out on claiming some of the things that God has for us, these precious things, because a lack of value. We value the wrong things. Uh, I mean, some of you used to value a little bit of powder. You go all crazy. There it is. Now, I never took that crack stuff, but I hear about some of you crack monsters. Looking in the book for what you value. Well, you need to come to church with that same attitude. Ah, that same attitude. What do you value? See, we, we become like Esau uh, and the prodigal son, who both, they saw more in the secular than in the spiritual. They were profane men, the Bible says. They didn't value their father's wealth. They didn't value their birthright and their inheritance, Esau and the prodigal son. So they settled for beans and cornbread. Well, actually, corn husks. That's what they settled for. Uh, see, our father's wealth is ours for the taking, for the asking, for the effort. And we need to value it. The, the, you know, the, the prodigal son didn't value what, what his father and his, and his father was wealthy. Ah. Uh, Esau, his father was wealthy, but they gave it all up for a pot of beans. See, the prodigal's opportunities were measureless. He had a big, big house with lots and lots of cars, a big, big room with lots and lots of, huh, food, ooh, food, food, food. Uh, come and go with me to my father's house. A lot of you don't listen to Caleb, so you don't know that song. I'm hip, you know. Big Tent Revival. That's the name of that, who made that song. Big Tent Revival. Uh, I mean, you know, we're offered all these, we're afforded all these things. They're ours for the taking. But we need to value it. Uh, we forfeit all these things for our selfish, proudful desires. Uh, of which, not only did the prodigal miss out, uh, but once he repented, he was able to re reclaim these things. But also, my friend, 
His oldest brother missed out because of pride. Uh, the prodigal missed out, but he repented and he came back. A lot of you can repent today and come back and obtain your rightful inheritance. You're going to have that opportunity. But the oldest son, he missed out as well. The oldest wanted his rewards on his terms. He wanted it his way or the highway. He was hungry, hungry, hungry. How do I know that? Because the Bible says he came in from the fields. He was working. How do you handle a hungry man? The manhandlers. Well, God had a manhandler. God had a feast for him. He, 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 he killed the fatted calf. The fatted calf. Not the regular calf. The fatted calf. Can you imagine coming home hungry? Hard day's work. Where's the fatted calf? You ask. Dad done <clears throat> chopped it all up. Smell it? You ever smell food when you're hungry? But he was too proud to go in because he wanted it his way. No! I will not go in! The banquet table was set. But he didn't claim it because he was too proud. A lot of us, we don't claim what is ours because we're too proud. No. It's all right. Ah. See, pride would not allow him to obtain his blessings, his reward, the food of the feast, because he couldn't do it his way. The epitome, my friend, of, of this is what I'm talking about is his oldest son. Ah, he was too proud. The fourth and the final reason why we more often than not are not able to obtain and to claim what is rightfully ours is due to lack of guts. It's plain and simple. Lack of faith. Lack of, and I've written this word down, gallantry. Grit. When I was growing up, John Wayne won the Academy Award for a movie called True Grit. The guy had true. You know, John Wayne is famous for saying, you know, he said, faith is being afraid, 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 but saddling up anyways. Uh, that was John Wayne. True grit. Uh, that's what a real cowboy is. He's afraid to go, but hey, he saddles up anyways. Let's go. Uh, but a lot of us, we don't have that faith. We don't have that grit. We don't have that guts. We fail to claim and obtain our rightful inheritance because we fail to use our hardcore biblical faith. A number of people, they never reach their full potential because they, like Esau and like the prodigal son, uh, they choose the easy road rather than the hard road. I've told you before, anything of value, you've got to pay a price. And I, listen, I know what kind of sermon I got today. It's not the regular one. Where I know. But you've got to pay a price to, to grow today. You've got to listen. You've got to want it. Uh, there's some stuff here, but you've got you to want to get it here. Uh, if you want to grow, if you want to, you know, but if you want to be like the, oh, and look at the, you know, like the oldest son, the prodigal son, Esau, anything of value, you've got to pay a price. Uh, what have I said before? How do you know you're on the road to success? It's uphill all the way. That's when you know you're on the road to success. Remember the 10 spies that Moses sent out? Uh, the Bible says it was the promised land. It was theirs for the taking. But once they saw the giants, the sons of Anak, they said, oh my God. Just in case some of you are not listening. I'm a grasshopper. I'll just eat leaves. Leaves now! There's grapes the size of watermelons in that land. You eat leaves. church is not going to eat leaves. I'm not going to break puppets either. Oh Why do you want leaves when you got grapes the size of watermelons? Yeah. 
I'm hungry. Let's go on. I'm getting close to closing. Ay, ay, ay. Ten spice. See, they didn't want to pay the price, the other ten spice. Because there might be a little bit of bloodshed. Oh, no. Ay. Oh. You might have to pledge your tithe a little bit more. You might have to sacrifice a little bit more. Yes, that land had been promised as theirs. But they were just grasshoppers. See, this church is called to produce people of strong, gallant, gutsy faith. That's a church you belong to. That's your inheritance. David Wilkerson, Nikki Cruz, Pastor Sonny, Sister Josie. Ah, Gallant faith, gutsy faith. People that can stick it out. Ah, Thumbtack Christians. That's the kind of church this is. Ah, That's our heritage. That's our inheritance. And it's yours for the taking. See, people, the minute and the moment that we shrink back from doing any and all that we can, to obtain what is rightfully ours, we lose. You lose. The minute you shrink back in faith, you don't exercise your guts, you don't claim what is rightfully yours, you lose. You're defeated. And even an Ahab can spot that. The worldly Jezebel's husband could see that. And that's heavy. Ahab, a terrible guy. And you know the way he died. But he could see that God's people were not obtaining what was really theirs. See, Larry Lopez Jr. could cook up a great meal for you and I. Better than the one he did for Sonny Jr. And that was a good one. Andre Crouch liked it. He could cook up a great meal. But unless you came and ate it, you'd never know. Uh, It'd all be wasted, unclaimed. Even your finances. You can remain in poverty and in the pinch, living in the Silicon Valley and still settle to be poor. In the Silicon Valley, I repeat, hallelujah. Know where you're living at, Harold, Matilda, and everybody else. In the Silicon Valley. And we settle for, you know, how much is the rent? Ay, 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 uh-oh, stepping on some tolls here. But I want you to get out over here. Uh, have a place of your own. Then we could be rich. Some of you could have a lot of money. Yet not know how to rightfully spend it. And thus you as well will end up a waste. You wasted it all. You squandered your finances. You spent it on yourself. Your money never was accumulated. The Bible says use your money to acquire friends for yourself. That's what it says. And listen, when you go to Manila... Ah, who's going to Manila? Hallelujah. Uh, She's going to find friends over there because of the money that you guys gave. Now we can, there's a lot of friends in Manila. Ah, because we're not, you know, wasting our money in riotous living, but in righteous living. Uh, Now, how about the Bible? Some of you, I quoted a song from Steppenwolf earlier. I may as well quote another one from Eric Burton and the Animals. For those of you youngsters, you won't understand. You're into rap. Uh, well, it stands right there collecting dust. No one understands what's being said. You better get straight. Eric Burton said those words a long time ago. He's talking about the Bible. You see the Bible on the shelf collecting dust. No one understands what's being said. 
because it never gets read. You better get right. Uh, you better get help. That was the name of the song. You better get help, my friend. Uh, and he was a Ahab. We're talking about an Ahab writing those words. And yet a lot of you, I mean, hey, it would be great to have your Bible looking like this. Because that's telling me something. You hold it a lot. Uh, I don't know what, I, I, I've always had this hold here. This is, I guess I got to call it the chokehold. Because it's choking me. It's got me in a chokehold. And I don't want to let go. I don't want to wrestle with it. I want him to win. But many of you, this is gold here. There's gold in them, their pages. But you'll never know it. You're not obtaining God's word. What did my wife tell the men right now? Stay in your word because that's going to keep you. Ah, there's gold. Paul speaking for God tells us all things are yours. All things. Everything is yours, my friend. Everything that God has is for you. Just for the taking. Can you take it? Uh, can you take it? According to God, nothing is too good for his people. Stevie Wonder. Nothing's too good for my baby. Nothing's too good for my something. You guys know it, huh? Well, Jesus Wonder. Nothing's too good for my people. Nothing, 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 nothing's too good for you. He'll bless you with everything he has. All things are yours. Can you take it? Uh, but all we have to do to not obtain the blessings of God is nothing. Just leave it alone. Uh, if we leave it alone, if we'd, have, if we'd have left God's blessings alone, we wouldn't have gotten the loan. But we got the loan. And we got our home. Because we wouldn't leave God's blessings alone. We took it. And we got to keep it up. We got to keep it up. God bless you. I commend you. That's great. We're getting our own building. Own, own, own. Not rent it. Own building. But let's go in like gangbusters. The property next door is there for the taking. Can we take it? Can we take it? I don't want to get you too emotional. Can we take it? Yeah. Yes, we can. That's ours. Don't let an Ahab, even the world, spot it. What happened to Victory Outreach? Huh? It's Ramoth and Gilead is theirs for the taking, and yet they don't take it. No more. No more. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.